Exactly one year ago, this weekend, where Chris Reed was here, and he gave a word that went all over the world. You guys remember that? It was the word about the $50 bill, and I, I just wanted, on the one-year anniversary, I think it was actually maybe yesterday, that he gave the word, but he received it over in the Peach House, which is just up across the way, and um, I just wanted to see, is it coming to pass? And then I want to get in the word that the Lord's given me something today. And, um, and we need to hear what the Lord's saying. But here's what Chris said. He said, I saw an unknown man dressed in a black suit holding a $50 bill. And he tore the $50 bill in three stages. And in the first stage of the dream, he stood in front of me, took the $50 bill, tore off a third of it. And as he did, random people started bringing me national headlines of newspapers. And it was like the headlines. And uh, Rick gave a comment, at, this was after the word was given, that Johnny Cash was known as the man in black. $50 is, of course, cash. Johnny Cash dressed in black represents a mourning for the moral and spiritual depravity growing in America. Now, that was a year ago. How many of you know the... Spiritual depravity has continued to, to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Chris felt the $50 bill represented the 50 states. So here were the headlines. You guys good for this? We need to hear. You know it said to judge the prophecies, and they're happening. The first headline was that the dollar will drop. Chris saw 30% in value and he saw Mideast oil strikes deal with China instead of the United States. Can I tell you that's happening right now? China just uh, because of our policies, which are, number one, anti-Christ, but they're also anti-anything, uh, anti-American, anti-life, anti-financial prosperity. Anyway, so Saudi Arabia and China are teaming up and Russia. Here's another headline. Perfect storm, inflation reaches a new high. And then Rick gave a comment. Rick Joyner, inflation is one of the most devastating crises any nation will face. And he said if we add up all the disastrous economic policies at that time, uh, they've only gotten worse, then you can recognize all these things. In other words, Rick was saying we should take immediate action. The church should be preparing for the days ahead. Now, this was a year ago. And then the next thing, I was, Chris said that I was then handed a headline which read, Food Shortage Crisis as Wheat and Bread Imports are at a Stalemate. And we've heard much of that. And uh, it's happening in more and more. And then Chris saw another headline, Riots and Civil Unrest as Citizens Demand Entitlement Checks. Now, we haven't seen that yet, but I can promise you when the entitlement checks stop, the riots will begin. I mean, if you know that. Anyway, this is good news. I'm going to get to some good news. Don't leave out yet. I'm just, I felt like we needed to look back at what he said. And then the second stage of the dream, he saw a man dressed in black holding the rest of the $50 bill. And at this time, he tore it in half, and he felt an earthquake. And then there was something about Israeli-Palestinian two-state solution was reached. 
And then another person handed me another headline which read, Major Earthquake Hits the Middle of the U.S. Thank God that hadn't happened yet. And then the third stage of the dream, the man in black took the rest of the $50 bill, started tearing it into smaller pieces one by one, and a person walked up and handed me another headline which read, America in pieces, more states succeed from the nation in rebellion to the federal government. And then he saw another headline which read, U.S. military takes charge as uncertainty looms over the federal government. And then the, fat, the, the last one, in the fourth and final stage of the dream, the man in black took out what I saw like a new $1 bill, but it looked like a cell phone. Now, when I heard that one year ago, I knew a little bit about the digital currency. What do they call it? CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, that Biden has signed an executive order that will begin pretty shortly unless God intervenes. But anyway, I thought this boy is just coming to pass. Well, there's a lot more good news that he prophesied. But basically that we had to turn back to God as a nation and, um, and don't lose your hope. Keep your faith in him. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to go back and look at these prophecies because they're happening right before our eyes. And uh, we've been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. How many of you know that? So when you come around here, we're going to tell you the truth, which I hadn't even told you anything yet. I'm going to reserve that for other times. But we're also going to make sure you stay filled with faith. Because you know without faith, it's absolutely impossible to please him. So guess what this hour is all about? You get to live by faith. So we're going to bring a lot of, bring a lot of pleasure to his heart. Well, Simon, okay, I'm going to get into something, share some things. Some of you are looking at me a little bit different, like you're wondering. what's. I'm like you. I see this stuff happening, and I've become a little bit, first of all, I don't believe anything I hear on the media. How many of you believe anything? I don't believe anything. But we're also being discerning, trying to hear, read behind the lines. I heard, yes, was it yesterday? Oh, I know where I was. You're going to be proud. I was at the, uh, what's the name of the place where I get on the, the thing and start jogging? Yeah, the workout, whatever it's called over there. I'm working out, and on the tele- television screen says, U.S. forces collide with Iran-backed militia. Now, most people just let that go in one ear and out the other, but I was asking the Lord, Lord, who is the Iran-backed militia? Because that's how they talk when they want you to believe propaganda. Because I've learned to recognize that. And then I started thinking, well, who is in Syria? Who do you think? Russia. They just didn't want to tell you. So these are exciting times. Be discerning, be filled with wisdom. But if I were you especially with all that's happening with the economy. How many of you know the banking system is collapsing? How many of you know the American dollar is built on fraud? It's a money laundering scheme. It's been happening. It's a Babylonian system, and it's probably going to be shaken. So we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So I would, if I was you, I would just stock up in this hour. I would just make sure you got plenty of food and water and a lot of faith. 
Now enough of that. I could tell you a lot more. I don't, like, I don't like thinking of this stuff either. So I want to think about somebody I'd rather think about. Psalm 910 says this. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. This is who Jesus is. You ready? You guys ready? Number one. These are, I looked up some of the names of Jesus. Number one, he is the Almighty. He's the one who is, who was, and is to come. Revelation 1.8. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the first, he's the last. He's the amen. How many of you knew that? He's the amen. He's the author of life, and he's the bread of heaven. He's the bread of life, and he's the chief shepherd. Now, if he's your chief shepherd, do you think you will get to where you need to be? If you're following him, you will. He's Christ the anointed. He's the consolation of Israel. He's the deliverer. He's Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? means God with us. Look at yourself and say, God is with me. He's with me, period. He's the faithful and the true witness. And he's the ruler of God's creation, Revelation 3.14. He is the door. He is God in 1 Peter, the God of all grace. He's the good shepherd. He's the heir of all things. He's the high priest. He's the holy and righteous one and the holy one of Israel. He's the horn of salvation. He is, I am, in John chapter 8. He is the king of the Jews, the lamb of the God, lamb of God, and the last Adam. He's also the light of the world. If you hadn't been looking around recently at all the darkness, he's the light of the world. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's the root of David. He's the Lord and the Lord of all. He's the Lord of lords and what else? He's the king of all kings. And if they, don't, if they haven't heard lately, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that this is exactly who he is. He's the Lord of glory. Isaiah called him a man of sorrow. And he was the child that was born and the son that was given. He's the master. He's the mediator. He's the Messiah. He's Israel's Messiah. Now, they don't all know it yet, but they will. He is the morning star and the root He's the root and offspring of David. He's our Passover lamb. He's the author and finisher of your faith. Now, if he begins something, guess what he's going to do? He's going to complete it. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a mighty God, everlasting father. And the world needs to know he is the prince of peace. I don't hear a lot of peacemakers out there. I hear a lot of warmongers, but I declare he's a prince of peace. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He's the resurrection, and he is the life. He's the righteous one. He's the ruler of God's creation. He's the Savior. He's the Son of Man, and he's the Son of God. He's the Son of David. He is called the Son of the Most High. He's a spiritual rock that you can run to. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And by the way, no man will come to the Father but by him. He's the Word and the Word made flesh. He's the advocate. He's the bridegroom. He's an indescribable gift. And I just got started. We could go on and on and on and on. But I'm telling you, his name is Jesus. And there's still something about that name. And I'm going to put my trust and faith in him. Now, I want to share a few things with you today. It has nothing to do with what I talked about earlier. But it does have something to do with the one who is the Alpha and the Omega. 
What does that mean? It means he's the beginning and he's the end. You know, God began all this. Guess who's going to finish it up? He's going to also finish it up. Well, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, and that's where we'll start. And um, I don't know how far along I'll get into all this. But I want to give you enough, and I want you to be built up. You're going to be filled with faith when you walk out of these doors this morning. Because every voice in hell is going to be challenging you as to whether you really are who you say you are. Whether you really believe what you say you believe. How many of you know that? You know love is tested. How many of you know your faith is tested? And so we're going to be tested, tried, But I found in my own experience, the tests are not so much to find out if I pass or fail, but it's to prove how faithful my God is in the midst of passing and failing. I mean, if you found that as well, but we need to pass the test and we need to know that that he's the one that's guiding. Now, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious. How I many of you think it'd be a good idea to be serious if the end of all things was at hand? Anybody say amen? amen? You know, that doesn't mean go around and mope and grope. It just means stay focused on those things that are before you. Be serious and watchful in your prayer. In other words, keep your prayer life at the max. You know, make sure you're spending time with Jesus. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable, pitiable to one another without grumbling. We're not going to have any grumbling around here about all the things that are taking place. How many of you are tend, sometimes you tend to worry and grumble or complain from time to time? Anybody want to be honest? Well, just repent and go on. Be anxious for nothing. We're not going to be grumblers. As each one of us has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Make sure you're exercising who God has called you to be. To others, you know you're going to be held accountable one day before God for the gift that he gave you. What do you think he gave you that gift for? To enjoy yourself? No, to, uh, to be who he's called you to be to other people, right? To love, you know, give whatever, all the gifts that he's called you to. And then he says in verse 11, and I really like this, if anyone speaks, let him speak as of the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do as if with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong glory and the dominion forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Now, someday I'll come back to 1 Peter, but the key was the end of all things. Now, there's more to the end than just the end of all things. If it's the end of all things, we're going to know pretty soon, Chris, It's going to be made known. Half of the people I hear say it's the end. Others say, no, it's just the beginning. To me, even if it is the end, it's the beginning because I know that I'm going to live forever. So it's really just the beginning, even when it's the end. 
lest you don't know the one who is the beginning and the end. But there are a lot of things that the Bible speaks of in regard to the end. So I want to look at that. Is that okay? How do you, how do you define or how does the Bible define the end? So let's just review some things, some things we've heard of. Others maybe will be new. But first of all, remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, the disciples came to him. They said, Lord, you tell us when are all these things going to come to pass and when would the end be? Do you remember how he responded? Anybody? The first thing he said, what did he say? He said, take heed that no one deceive you. So there's going to be a lot of deception even about the end or about anything. And so the way you avoid deception is by you walking in the truth. You know the truth. Jesus is truth. We may not have all the facts and figures correct, but if we know the one who is the truth, we'll have a whole bunch more truth than the majority of people around us, right? So we want to walk in the truth, and we want to walk by hearing his voice and be led by the Spirit. But Jesus said there would be mass deception. How many of you agree that Jesus knew what he was talking about? One of the things he said, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. I look at that as they're speaking in Jesus is saying in the first person. They're not going to say they are the Christ. They're going to say he is the Christ and deceive many. So we're going to be students of the word. And then he said, be careful of wars or be aware of wars and rumors of wars. And, uh, you know, we, how many of you know we're seeing that happen? And then he said, famine. That means lack in the world. Somebody sent me something yesterday. I've got to search it out more. But it was the president of Kenya warning his people to get rid of their dollars. You better get rid of your dollars because soon they won't be worth very much. That was the president of Kenya. I did text Joseph, who we support as a church, and I said, Joseph, number one, is this man your president? Yes, he is. And Joseph thought maybe he was talking about hoarding. I don't know. We're going to search all that. But how many of you know the financial markets are being shaken? You don't even, you don't even have to. You don't have to have much of an education to know the dollar right now is shaking to the core. But how many of you know I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread? And we never will. How many of you know that he brought forth quail and manna into the wilderness. How many of you know he multiplied the fish and the loaves and the bread and he fed the multitudes? Here's what the scripture says in Psalm 33. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in the famine. And then Jesus said in the end there will be pestilence. We've seen any pestilence. Real and fake, both. Earthquakes, persecution, offenses and betrayals and there are things like that happening right now people are betraying one another there's war biological psychological conventional and on and on and on and we could keep on talking about all the things false prophets and false teachings how many of you remember steve hill a few years right before he died he had this prophetic dream about this coming avalanche and it was about false teachings and false prophecies. That's why we need discerning of spirits. And then he goes on and said, lawlessness, the love of many. 
And all these things, but remember what Jesus promised. He said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come, which means the end will not come until that net is cast all over the earth. Amen, you got it. So that's number one. Secondly, the Bible says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. So we're going to need a little endurance in this hour. You're not going to be one that throws in the towel. You can't be one that gives up and jumps off before you get into the harbor. Revelation chapter 3 verse 10, because you've, because you've kept my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the entire earth to test those who dwell on the earth. So how long are we to endure? We're to endure to the end. I can say a little bit about that. God's given me a lot of grace, but that's going to be your testimony as well. You're not going to be a quitter. You're not going to throw in the towel until you've seen, until you finish the course, finish your race. Did you hear that? Now, I'm just prophesying that over you. You will not quit. What did that get? I'm going to add lib a minute. I'll get back to it. But I remember, who was the guy? Oh, Winston Churchill. Yeah, he was the man. I'm finding things about Winston. I thought he was, and he may be wonderful. But anyway, he was invited to speak to a, some group of kids somewhere. It must have been a university. And anyway, he got up. He looked out over, and they were really excited to hear what Winston Churchill had to say. They were ready to take notes. He looked out over the congregation and he said, never give up. And then he sat down and they were wondering, is that all you have to say? Let me tell you, he said a whole lot in that statement. And I want to tell you, never give up. Okay, there are more things than speaking about the end regarding the end. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8, we see the end of a thing is better than its beginning. Now, that's not true if you're not in Christ. The end is not going to be that wonderful. It's going to be quite horrible. But if you are in Christ, the end of a thing is even better than the beginning. Have you ever been in the middle of going through something and the enemy wants to paint the darkest picture? And, and you have a tendency to sometimes believe that, that this thing is just going to get worse and worse but for the child of God, that's not the case. It's only going to get better and better. How do you know that? The Word of God says so. Proverbs chapter 4. It says, right in the middle of increasing darkness, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived other than Jesus, he said, the path of the just is like the shining sun that, that ever shines brighter into the perfect day. Jeremiah chapter 29. How many of you know that verse I know the plans that I have for you, plans of good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Anybody know the context of that scripture? Where are they heading? Anybody? Captivity. Babylon. The gates are going to be shut. And in the middle of that, Jeremiah said, I know the plans I have for you, plans of good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then there's on and on and on. There are many more scriptures. 
Psalm 107, verse 27, another uh, end is the speech of those who reel to and fro, and are, they are at their wits' end. And you look that up, it means they've exhausted all of their wisdom. They've come to the end of themselves, and they don't know what to do. Have you ever been there? Is anybody there right now? You've come to your wits' end. You're ready to pull your hair out. Well, you could pull your hair out if you wanted to. It's not going to fix the situation that you're in. Instead, here's what Psalm 107 verse 28 says after that scripture. Then they cried out to the Lord. You know, sometimes the greatest prayer you'll ever pray, you know what it is? It's a four-letter word, H-E-L-P, help. Sometimes when you don't know what to do, that's the best prayer you could pray. Forget about all the language. You know, you, you don't need a THD. You don't need to say God. This is how the theologians say God. That's what they said when I went to school. They said, God, almighty God. I used to sit out there thinking, who are they talking to? <laughs> Jesus, are they talking to you? Are you almighty God? So I would go out and pray. I thought, well, maybe I need to pray that way. Almighty God, maker of the heavens and the earth. Wouldest thou speak to me this day? <laughs> I felt like he looked at me like I was crazy or something. So then they cried out to the Lord. And then he hears and brings them out of their distress. And he calms the storm. Anybody in a storm this morning? You know, you may be. I mean, some people have made it through storms. Some people are getting ready to go, go into a storm. And others are right in the middle of it. But... The Bible says he guides them and he leads them to their desired haven. That means safety and a refuge. And we can believe that he's going to be a refuge in whatever trouble we may go to. Now, another thing regarding the end, and that is, now look at this. Go with me to Psalm 73. Everybody's still with me? You know, man, when I read these scriptures, I need them I need them. I need to hear what God is saying to me. So the next thing is, there's going to be an end of the wicked. Psalm 73 and verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, now watch this. My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Have you ever been that way? You were on the verge of stumbling, slipping, for I was envious of the boastful. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pains in their death, but their strength is firm. At least it, it seemed to be firm, for they're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. And therefore he goes on, therefore pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than their heart could wish. They scoff and they speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. And you know, it seems like they're getting away with what is going on. Look in verse 12, behold... These are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. But then he says, surely I've cleansed my heart in vain, God. I've washed my hands in innocence. All day long 
I've been plagued and chastened every morning. And if I said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. And then I understood therein. Say therein. Look over in Psalm 37. Psalm 37, and uh, just read a little bit, verse 34, just to remind us. And you could preach a whole message on this, but verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. For I've seen the wicked in great power. It looked like they were in control. They had it made, spreading himself like a native green tree, yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Say no more. Verse 37, mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed forever, and the future of the wicked shall be cut off. And he goes on, we could read, there's more and more. But here's what Psalm 101 verse 7 says. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. When I read that, I thought, God, somebody needs to tell the politicians what Psalm 101 says. I felt like he said, well, why don't you tell them? But listen to the rest of that verse. Early... This is God. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, and I will cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Job 21, 30. For the wicked are reserved for the day of doom. They shall be brought out on the day of wrath. And in other words, there's so much more. It's just time to know, listen, God's going to make a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. And we said this last week. It's not the wicked that are going to inherit the earth. It's the righteous. It's the righteous. And the wicked are made, they're prepared for the day of doom. Now, some people would say, oh, you're just a doom and gloom preacher. Well, if you have not yet been to the cross, your future is filled with doom and gloom. But there's hope in the cross. There's hope in Christ Jesus. And that's the only hope. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way, and this is the one we've all heard of. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end, its end is the way of what? It's the way of death. In other words, of the way, there's a way that sounds right. There's a way that looks right. There's a way that seems right. There's a right way that feels right. There's a way that others say, or they'll try to convince you, this is the right way. But the end there leads to death or destruction. But Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's a sure way. He is the only way. He's the right way. And he is the, the life that is the way to the Father. Amen. And now another thing, Proverbs 23, verse 17. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a latter end, and your hope will not be cut off. In other words, for the child of God, there's always, Dr. Mark, the rest of the story. Now, if you stop in the middle of your journey and you give up, what are you going to miss? The rest of the story. How many of you believe there's a happy ending for those who are in Christ Jesus? So you can endure unto the end 
where salvation will come. So there will be a ladder in. Another thing, James 5, I'm not going to read the scripture, but there's an end intended by the Father. Now, if we read it, James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11, then it will say you have need of endurance, but it also speaks about perseverance. And you've seen the perseverance of Job, how that there was an end intended by the Lord. How many of you know the Lord has an end intended for you? There's an end. There's something more than what meets the eye. And so you can believe, you can keep going because there's an end. Say there's an end intended by the Lord. It's going to look different than I think. It's going to look different than what others say. It's going to look different than the opinions of many. But it's going to look like the intend, the end that's intended by the Lord. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, Jesus will deliver the kingdom to the Father. It says in the end, there are two things that are going to mark the end. He'll deliver the kingdom to the Father, and he will put an end to all rule and authority and power. Every king's kingdom will come to an end. Every president's reign will be over. Every tyrant that lifted themselves up, their day will be come to an end. It'll be over. They'll be voted out by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Because he's the only one. And they're gonna, he's going to deliver the kingdom to the Father and put an end to all other reign and all other authority. And then there will be an end as life to life as we know it. Now, I looked all through. I, I couldn't find a particular scripture that said there's an end to life as we know it, but the principle is there all through the Scripture. There are going to be things that are going to happen. It will look like we've come to the end. I wonder if anybody's ever said that before in history, in the midst of war, in the midst of famine, in the midst of persecution. I thought about those, where was the, uh, in Mississippi. All of a sudden, they wake up. Some of them didn't wake up, but life was changed. Wasn't there a factory that blew up in Pennsylvania, some candy factory or something? But all of a sudden, things change. Everything you hold dear, everything that you believed in, it's all of a sudden changed. It looks like life is over as you know it. Do you realize now, okay, just the rubber meets the road here. If the financial markets continue to be shaken, and they're going to be, so that means the Swiss banks, the European banks, the banks in Paris, the banks in Rome, the banks in America. What if all of a sudden the dollar died? What are you going to do? You're going to run in fear? You're going to panic. You're going to, hey, listen, life will be over as you've known it. But there's some things that never change. Can I tell you what it is? There's one who never changes. I, the Lord, your God, I change not. He is the one who is the same. Yesterday, before the banks collapsed, tomorrow after they've long collapsed, and today. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word endures forever. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. So you can still go to the bank on what God promised you. And you can still make a deposit 
from the promises found in the Word of God for your life. Does that make sense? Now, I know some people don't like what I'm saying. They think the dollar is going to last forever. Can I tell you, there's an economy of the kingdom that will last forever. And we are not, listen, I appreciate the dollars. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm appreciating the dollars. I like going and buying eggs. But I don't have to buy them anymore. I got chickens that are producing them. I'm getting so many eggs. I told Charlie, I don't know what to do with all the eggs. It's like the Lord says, you're going to know real soon what to do with them. So just keep producing. I got, some, I got two chickens. I don't know how. They're so old. They're like grandmother and grandpa chickens, and they're still producing. I tell them, hey, aren't you guys getting old? They're not getting old. We're going to bear fruit even in our old age. You know, those who trust in him wait for the Lord. They're going to mount up with wings as eagles. They're going to run and not grow weary. They're going to not faint. Man, this is it, guys. You get to be the real thing. You could have lived in another generation where, you know, everything was just okay. We're coasting through. But this ought to tell you, if God chose you to live in this hour, what does that tell you? That you're chosen. He would not have chosen you if if he thought you couldn't make it. He saves his best for last. Whenever the last comes... And another thing, Americans think, well, if the dollar died, that'd be the end of the world. Maybe, maybe not. It's not. Hey, listen, there might be another thousand years to this picture. I'm thankful that I'm American. Now, you guys know that, right? I'm thankful. Now, I'm going to fight. But eventually, you know how many kingdoms are going to be on the earth? Anybody? Only one. How many kings? Only one. How many economies? Only one. It's not the one they're trying to create. I'm going to resist the digital dollar. I'm not going to give in. I'm not, okay? I'm not going to bow to the B system. But I'm telling you, there's an economy that I'm placing my trust in. And that one is not going to run dry. And then Psalm 39, there's the end of one's life. Now, there's so many scriptures, I'm just going to skip them. But remember what James says, life is as a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. I'm glad I'm not preaching on death. But you know death is part of the story? It's part of the story. It's the appointed man wants to die. So we're all... You're going to show up for that divine appointment. Unless other things happen, you know, which the Lord will be the, he'll be the determining factor and all that. But we're going to come, everyone on the earth will come to the end of their life. Here's some way that death can happen. Number one, it can come suddenly. I read about it every day. How many of you read about, you read the stories that slip through until they remove it? Death can come suddenly. Secondly, death can come unexpectedly. Do you know, does everybody get up and plan their death? I mean, some, you know, it's getting, they go in, they, you know, make some arrangements, but it can happen unexpectedly. It can happen at an inconvenient time. And I was thinking, is there any, incon- is there any convenient time? Well, this is a great time to die today. 
I'm not sure. There's always going to be unfinished business. If you were to go in the graveyard and ask people, okay, guys, how many of you had dreams and plans and goals that you never saw come to pass? You know how many would raise their hands? Every one of them. Hey, man, you don't know I had great plans and dreams. But anyway, it happened unexpectedly. It can come prematurely. It can, it can be delayed. I like that one. Do you know anybody in the Bible, they were going to die and they, they bargained. They said, look, give me more years. Hezekiah, 15 more years. It comes regardless what you think about it. It will come at your appointed time. And it will mark the end of this life, but the beginning of the life to come. Because Jesus said, even though you may die, yet shall you live. And that is what we're living for. I don't know all this is going to happen. I, you know, I'm, I'm like you. I, I try. Chris Reed, I, I'm just going to be honest. I really appreciate Chris Reed. And we had leadership meetings this week up at the lodge. And I told you last week what it would be like, and it was that way. It was the first time that I sat, and I've sat in, oh, my goodness, how many year after year after year after year? And Chris, oh, no, Rick Joyner has always been there addressing all of us, and, uh, but this was the first time he wasn't there. Chris was there. But I, I'm telling you, I'm as excited. I was excited. Now, listen, we all have a prayer life. If, anyway, I'm not going to, I'm just going to tell you. But Chris shared some things of how to pray that really have, in fact, he encouraged us. You know, he said, look, I want to encourage you. You don't have to do it. But how many of you know if somebody looks at you and says, now, you don't have to, but. But I want to encourage you. Now, you don't have to do it, but. And he said that a few times, you know, when you get a number of buts you know there's a, there's a but. There's something you need to listen to. So he says, but I want to challenge you to pray these prayers. And he shared with us a bunch of apostolic prayers that our fathers, our apostolic fathers prayed. So I took the challenge. And I want to share it with you if you want it. We'll send it. I'm just telling you, something has happened to my prayer life. I had a prayer life. I've been praying in the spirit Multi, I've been, but I'm just telling you, there's something to pray those old apostolic prayers and just speak out loud. But if you want it, you get in touch with the office, we'll make sure to share it. I'm just telling you, it only takes about 30 minutes. And you can make it last longer, that's what I've been doing. But I'm telling you, we're coming to the greatest season of time in history. And that's, you know, I mean, if I just shared with you, well, the banking is falling. Listen, we know this stuff. Everybody, all you have to do is look outside. The darkness is getting darker, but the glory of the Lord will appear over you. So it's time to, to get excited. So I want to pray that God will just dump a bushel load of faith into your spirit. Is that okay? Can I just do something like that? So why don't you wonder, Jesus, stand. I, thanks for bearing with me today. I, it's a crazy time. Why don't somebody, hey, Mark, um, where's Marla? Come on up and play. 
And then we're going to have some of our guys from the uh, School of the Prophets and some of our ministry team pray for people around the altar. If you're visiting with us, just come and let Jesus meet you. you. How many of you were here Friday night with Mel Tari? What an amazing man. I did not know that man. I would never invite somebody here I didn't know, but because Alan Smith and some men that I respect invited him, I said, bring him on, and especially because he wrote a book called Like a Mighty Wind. I thought if a man wrote a book like a mighty wind, then bring him on. And he came in like a mighty wind, but the wind is still blowing. Okay, guys, if I could look every one of you in the eyes, I, I know. I'm just trying to identify where you are. I don't know the things you're facing. I don't know the storms you're going through. But I want you to know that God has created you for this season and time. He's marked you. He's written his name over you and in you. And in your heart is written, behold, I delight to do your will, O God. He's written his word on the tablets of your heart. And the work that he's begun, he's going to complete it. He's not going to come up short. He's not, his system is not going to fail. His system is going to endure forever. And Lord, I just pray right now for everyone in this room and those that are watching. Lord, we're going to need a faith like we've never known before. But I thank you there is a faith reserved for the, for the saints of this generation that is yet to be demonstrated that the earth has never seen before. And I thank you, God, that your son is going to receive great glory by the faith that your people in this hour walk in and demonstrate and proclaim. And, Lord, I'm asking you, and I know you're hearing my prayers. Lord, you were with me this morning. Earlier, you were with me every day this week. Lord, I thank you for bringing us to new heights, new depths, new levels of the prophetic, new depths in prayer. Lord, thank you for bringing people around us to encourage us, to build us up in this most holy faith. Thank you, God, this apostolic anointing's coming back in this generation to walk in the apostolic faith with great unction and great authority, great anointing, great power. Lord, thank you. Signs and wonders are going to follow the preaching of the word, but they're going to follow the believers everywhere we go. But Lord, I pray right now for just a bushel load of faith to be loosed in everyone that's in this room, everyone that's watching online. I ask you for gifts of faith to believe you for things they would have never have believed were possible had you not given them the faith to believe in you. And I'm asking for that, Lord. I release that by faith, by faith. Faith pleases you. And Lord, I thank you there will be faith that will move mountains in this room. Faith that will cause cancers to disappear in moments, mere moments, mere seconds. I thank you, God. There's faith to see the dead raised in this room. There's faith to see nations saved. Families come into their inheritance. I thank you there's faith to walk in the abundance of heaven in the midst of the lack on the earth. Did you hear that? I release that right now. 
because bless the Lord, all my soul, and all you know, forgives all our iniquities, heals all our diseases, redeems our life from destruction, crowns us with loving kindness, tender mercies, all these things. They're ours. Say they're mine. And he daily loads us with benefits. Now, Lord, I thank you. We're never going to run empty. We're never going to run out. We're never going to run from. We're going to run into everything that God has planned. And so we thank you for it. Now, Lord, I pray for anyone watching, anyone in this room that's never met Jesus. Let this be the day of salvation. Lord, I thank you. This is the hour that all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I thank you. It's also the hour, not only you, but your households. And when we call out to you, Lord, all of heaven comes to our rescue. So I just want to encourage you. Just say, dear God, I need you. I confess that I need a Savior. And I acknowledge Jesus as my Savior. I turn my life over to him. I trust in the finished works of Calvary. And I receive by faith this gift of salvation. And I thank you, Lord, if I believe in you in my heart. I believe that you rose from the dead. And if I confess you with my mouth, I will be saved. So, Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer. And I thank you for the great harvest that was even rem- we're reminded of this morning. I thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. This is going to be an amazing place in this building in the next weeks, even weeks and months. Lord, we don't know where we're going to put them all, but Lord, you just take care of it. Lord, help us. And Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. We may just have a few barrels and a few cans. But I thank you, you're going to multiply the barrels and multiply the cans. I declare that. I thank you, God, your people are not going to run out. So, Lord, give them faith to obey you, what you're telling. They're going to have to get some fish and bread and loaves, whatever. You obey the Lord, but then trust him to multiply it. Does that make sense? You got to go. Hey, food lion's still open. Go while you can. But then trust God. Because you think you're going to get enough. You think you can really buy enough. It ain't going to happen. 